we read the scriptures this morning as Pastor Howard brings us um, the word. Read alongside as I read. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and through the world was made him, uh, through the world was made through him, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave them, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. He, we have seen this, his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning him. He cries out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. From the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God but God, the one and only, who is at the right, at the, who is at the Father's side, has made Him known. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning again. Um, I'm Howard Brown, the senior pastor at Christ Central Church, and uh, we will begin today a uh, four-week sermon series on the icons of the holiday season. The icons of the holiday season, and. Um, Almost every year, I think we've done a little Christmas break, if you will, a little four-week deal and um, kind of split up the preaching at this point. And um, so um, we will look at uh, people and things and events, if you will, that our culture um, has put center stage to represent the holidays. And why do we do this? Because the what, the who... And the why behind our chosen icons um, during this holiday season, they say a lot about where our hearts are. They say a lot about uh, what we are hurting for and what only the gospel, um, the, the, um, the gospel, God's redemptive good news can address and heal. So today we're going to look at Santa Claus and next week. We're going to look at the Christmas tree. Is that right? Christmas tree? Okay. And then following that, we're going to look at Christmas music. The other night, Kelly was like, I can't go to sleep. Can't get this Christmas music out of my head. Um, and then finally, we'll look at the holiday party, the Christmas party, New Year's party. This is a time of partying, right? Um, anyway, today we're going to look at Santa Claus. Santa Claus. And uh, just in case you didn't know... I Googled it. I'm not smart. I just didn't get it off the top of my head. 
But uh, just in case you didn't know, I was researching this thing online, and apparently the legend that has become a holiday icon is based on uh, a real historical figure, St. Nicholas, a 4th century bishop of the city of Myra, a Greek, uh, once Greek-occupied port city in southern Turkey. And St. Nicholas, who uh, is often depicted wearing the kind of bishop uh, ceremony, ceremonial colors of the time and region, which was red, he loved his town and his people well. He was left with great wealth from his parents, and he dedicated his life to giving it away. Don't y'all wish I had a pastor like that? Just... <laughs> pastor Howard Brown Gates Trump, something like that? Just... We'd be packed in this place. Um, and he became famous for giving his money away. And in one instant, apparently, to be discreet, he tried to throw some gold stuff through the window. And uh, about time someone took something through your window. I mean, gave something through your window instead of taking something through your window. But he, he threw some gold through the window of a needy family. And apparently it, it, some of it accidentally landed in the stockings that were drying by the fireplace. And of course, the story became legend as people began hanging stockings with hope that St. Nick would come by and, oh no, throw some gold in their stockings. Well, how the legend has grown since then, right? I got to do a little corny song for y'all because it's the only way I can think about it. You know this song, right? You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why Santa Claus is coming to town. He's making a list and he's checking it twice. He's going to find out who's naughty or nice. Santa Claus is coming to town. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. So be good for goodness sake. Oh, I know I feel, I feel kind of corny up here. That's all right. I'll do what it takes for y'all to grow in Christ. I'll be a fool for you. So you better watch out. You better not cry. Better not pout. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. Why? Why did we make this godly bishop, as we read his story, into a larger than what we can really deal with uber saint, if you will? Because first, what we see throughout the Bible is that in our need and desire for real and true redemption, we broken and desperate humans tend to create unsustainable false hope for ourselves. In this, what we have before us in your bulletin, the scripture um, from the first chapter of John, is John's praise and declaration of Jesus' coming. It is one of good news of light that rightly exposes the shadows of where we are. We're in darkness. And we are alone, which means without light, without truth, without him and what he means, what Jesus means, we would be left with no other choice but to put it together ourselves, to construct a life in a world filled with fatal flaws that, that we would make up and develop and live in really silly and foolish ways. We wouldn't have made for ourselves a life that without the light of God's truth is a lie. Not real, a fantasy, and an unfounded hope 
if you will. And needing something and someone to believe in, we are tempted to make our own image of God. Out of our own ignorant ethic and our impossible morals, you and I on our own create a law of living for ourselves that is so flawed when we look at it in the light and truth of Jesus that we can't help but recognize how unsustainable it is for our own issues, for our condition, how foolish our own lies we've put together can be. How it fails to to work and how hard we have to work to make that thing that doesn't really work for us look like it's working. I mean, as an example, think about Santa Claus, right? Again, we have taken a bishop from the 4th century and put him in a silly red suit with the big belt. That ain't even his style no more. Well, well maybe it is. I've seen some with the belt. With a flying sleigh and eight reindeer and maybe one more with a glowing nose. It all depends on how orthodox your Santa Claus narrative is. But who employs elves to build toys, a, a North Pole residency who though overweight never dies from, from diabetes or high blood pressure or, or heart disease, who comes down chimneys without getting shot, right? <laughs> who delivers in one night all the gifts. And if not, if that were not foolish enough, Icon, get this, he gives gifts based on whether you and I have been naughty or nice, and he even checks it twice. And y'all still get gifts? And no one actually gets coal, or as my mom used to say, you get switches? What's a bag of switches look like? I mean... Even the worst murderer in prison gets a Christmas card. I mean, I can believe the other stuff. I can even believe Rudolph better than we are nice enough or could be nice enough to get a benevolent visit from this guy. Santa Claus as an icon is not only true, it's not real. He doesn't really come to us. I didn't know whether y'all knew that or not. I'm sorry. And the moral setup. Just think about what we're saying. The moral setup with the gifts just is not true about us. Because if it were, if we, if we're up to us getting it because we're good, we would be some no getting coal having, hopefully clean coal, of course, having losers. In fact, uh, we would hate Christmas. Because all it would do if it were true and real, is remind us of how bad we have been, how needy we are, how tragic our condition is, how you, and you know what's not real? We would really stay up to kill Santa Claus. They'd have, let's get rid of this guy party. Yes, they would. Let him come down my chimney with some coal and I'll make sure he doesn't come back next year, Right? People would have, you know, go to Home Depot and get the guard your chimney against Santa Claus great. This time of year he's coming and because of the way you really acting, you know you're going to get cold. I would stop that person. We would lace those cookies and put rat poison in the milk maybe. We would end Christmas. And Christmas, if allowed to continue contrary to the song, when we get down to it, it would make us pout and cry because we would want and need something so much more than we have disappointedly, disappointedly created in darkness. 
See? They ain't getting nothing for Christmas. Unfortunately for us, our God and our view of God is not always so true and real. The Lord has become a Santa Claus to us whom should meet our every demand because we have done all the right things. Or He is some distant figure who lives in a faraway place in a distant reality and only makes sense sometimes. And, and, you know, only when we have a high spiritual or emotional time, God only comes and matters when we need something. God only comes and matters when we work real hard and have done enough good to make Him come and mean something. Look with me at verse 10 in this chapter. Scripture says that He, Jesus, was in the world and through the world, and though the world was made through Him, the world did not recognize Him. He came to that which was His own, but His own did not receive Him. Face it. There are days, for some of us, almost every day, that He, the Lord, doesn't mean anything. Or doesn't come. And doesn't exist. Or doesn't seem to get you. And somehow we have created greater distance between His truth and ours, His reality and ours, um, by, by making it about how good or how bad we have been and getting only what we have or have not earned or deserved. We have made God a, a what a list-keeping tyrant who, who weighs our good and bad and puts our lives on the balance of, of arbitrary deeds of good and bad. And man, let me tell you, we can't live like that. We can't live with that kind of legendary thinking about a God. It's dangerously silly. And it will make us. And some of us, of us are, we're disappointed with Him. We're pouty, if you will, because if like Santa Claus, He is not true and available. If like Santa, ultimately He's condemning and His measuring of whether you are good enough or, or not to be visited or loved by Him enough, then what? We would want to kill God been reading some stuff lately talking about Nietzsche people want to kill God they want to rid themselves of, of him because we will hate and get weary of an inconsequential and condemning make me feel like dirt according to how I feel treated in this world God and, and, and we uh, because of our distance from God we we even try to poison the knowledge of him right we are tired of getting the taste of coal when we try to get spiritual with God some of us are visibly and, and verbally and, and emotionally angry with the legend of God because it appears that he can't touch us my situation right now you're saying he is not touching me he's not reaching me he's silent he isn't there he isn't speaking the God we have created in darkness apart from the revelation of him in his word like Santa has become to us has become to us like grown folks with Santa right he just doesn't matter and matter as much but God is as responsible for his not mattering or being irrelevant in our lives 
as the bishop from Myra is for being made a legend that he would not agree with. How and why did we do this to God? How and why do we continue to walk in this life and, and hour after hour living as if he does not matter? As if he's inconsequential to our living? Because as much as we can see the foolishness and, and irrelevancy of our dark creations, you know, we can't let them go. We have this kind of weird codependency on believing and, and making and living according to what we can't, what can't be true and real. We wrestle with a God that we can't get rid of, whom we can't throw out of the ring. We are stuck with an immaterial, irrelevant God and, and forced to live in disappointment and distrust of this irresponsible super being of our own creation. I watched the movie Hancock the other day. But the superhero that people don't like, right? He can save you. You get in a wreck, he can save you. Causes a billion dollars worth of damage, doesn't care, flies around drunk. You know, it's, it's like that. And it's like we don't want to get rid of him because we can't put him in jail. He can break out of it. But we don't want to live without him because what if something really bad happens? And so we have this sort of love-hate relationship with a God that we have made there, have to be powerful, have to be responsible, and who has let us down for not being real enough or being there enough. Because truth be told, we need, we really need and truly want the real and the true that the lie and the less than real is based on. We want to believe. What John talks about here is what all of us long and are driven for. For the fantastic. For the legendary. For the intangible awesomeness of God to be ours. To be with us. To be relevant and related to us. To visit us, if you will. To make a real difference in us, in our world. And John says this in verse 1 through 4. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life. And that life was the light of men. And then in verse 14 it says this about the Word. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. The very stuff of God, y'all. Right? The, 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 in Santa Claus lingo, that North Pole magic. The heavenly stuff that made the world. The power that keeps the sun shining. The invisible stuff we long for. Love and peace and joy and worth and purpose and, and the rightly place, the, the, the worth and purpose and the very stuff that holds the cosmos in its place and purpose and rightly places you in it. The, the sixth sense that, that you and I try to get to and feel through the other senses. That has come to us, John is saying. The very light and truth and reason and reality of God has come to earth. 
that logos, that intangible breath and life that for our hearts is, is what drives us in darkness, seeking for more than we can see and can experience in and of ourselves. It has come, John says. We can't let go of Santa Claus, right? Because we need to believe in something again, even if it's false. We can't live with irrelevance or purposelessness or alone or without some sort of North Pole, some sort of alien rightness, some sort of happy ending potential. We need someone not from our world. To, to come in and give us truth and reality and, and fix our existence down here. We need the Lord. And, then, and, you know, I've been reading Cornell West this week and preparing for the thing on the 15th at the Neighborhood Theater. And, and it was interesting. On one of these essays he did, y'all think way above my head, too. Trying. I'm trying hard. Takes about an hour to get through a page. Anyway, he says this. The problem of evil can only be met with a practical response. Trust God or go insane. He says, in other words, some form of such trust is requisite for psychic health. Yet there are no philosophical grounds for such trust. You know, here's the point. We need to get light and truth and hope and help for our condition from the stuff. But but here's the reality that Santa brings home and John grounds in the redemptive history of the coming Lord in the flesh in Scripture here. Truth, reality, the logos, life relevance, peace, joy, confirmation of human dignity comes from a person and that person must really have come. Remember one of Mary's first hits? Not Mary, Jesus' mama. Mary J, right? Real love. As soon as I say that, things start hitting my head. That bass, boom, boom, boom. Anyway. Remember how the chorus went? Real love. I'm looking for real love. Then she says what? Someone to set my heart free. All right? Isn't that interesting? Now, love could be love, right? I'm looking for the real thing, as in the intangible feeling. You know, butterfly in your stomach love, right? Can't go to sleep, looking at your cell phone, see whether that person called kind of love. Or it could be love as in, come here, love. I don't talk like that, but come here, love. But the ambiguity is good and right here. Because the intangibles that we need have to have a face, albeit in our icons, white rosy cheeks and a pipe and a white beard in here. My grandmama used to sing that Santa Claus was a black man, but but it has to have a face. But anyway, Christian Christmas has a face that we identify with, and and we need for that to be like Mary put it, real. And not only that, that, but we need and want something that, and someone that has real power and does something for us, to do something for us that, that changes our lives. Philosophy is not enough. Deep thoughts are not enough. Rules and laws are not enough. Good ideas are no longer not enough. We need a person. 
We need a person who comes and does something. In other words, Santa must leave gifts. He cannot be, we cannot be left the same after he comes. We, we need tangible presence and power in our world and our lives. It is not true and not real if it does not have a name and a historical act. The one who comes must come and lift us out of everyday darkness and, 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 and give us something to lift us out of darkness and, and desire and demeaning demands and loneliness and, and arbitrariness. We, we need to matter. And John's message here, without the manger and the wise men and all that stuff, is good news. He's saying, for those who long for more than you see, those who hope for more than you can do for yourself, good news. Not Santa Claus is coming to town, but Christ has come to our world and to our century and to our December and to this December 7th, and to this church, and to and for you. John says this again in verse 14 through 18. He says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning him. He cries out saying, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. From the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only who is at the father's side has made him known. God is real and relevant for us. Because God, the invisible power and presence and person, is a person who came and showed his face to the world in Jesus Christ. He is true. And with it, it, it is true, right? Love is true and real. Peace on earth is true and real. Justice is true and real. Joy to the world is true and real. Redemption and healing for us is true and real. Dignity for me and you is true and real because the one who is all of these things came to see our faces and for us to see a face that is like ours. How can I say it? In Jesus Christ, God matters now to us. And when I say matters, I want you to see the Star Trek machine thing. What's the thing that transports you around? That beams you? The what? The transporter room. I used to watch the show. I just can't remember right now. New movie coming out looking good too. But I want you to see that. God beamed himself from just being the stuff of joy and love and peace. You know, stuff you want so badly, but you can't get. The Bible says God mattered. He 
came. He mattered himself. He's relevant. And Jesus, God exists in and for our world. And here's the good news beyond that. If he matters, the one who made you, then in this broken and hurtful world and sometimes unfulfilling world, you matter. The, the, the why and how you live this life, it matters. Your breathing and living and how you choose to live and breathe and what you do with that breath and with this life, it means something. And so when we seek to preach all of this God stuff, it's because God is not just God talk. It's that, you know, how Kanye West said, because Jesus walks, right? It's not just talk. God walked among us. The Bible says Jesus walked. He came in the flesh. And so we apply. We bring our lives to him. We open our chimneys to him, if you will. We put our empty, needy stockings up for him. Because he has come and comes to and for our world to, to fill us. To, to meet us. To hold us. To touch us. To be with us. To see us. And for us to see him. And so there is this real call as you prepare this holiday season for the pretend Santa Claus. We hang in our stockings up, right? The things with the writing on it with the names and making sure everybody has one. Some of us even make sure the dog got one. We even tell the stories. Better be good. Saint Nick coming tonight. But daddy, we don't have no chimney. Don't worry about it. He'll get in there. <laughs> then it's we so get ready for the holiday season. Why do we put lights up? Why do we do all that stuff? Does it really mean anything? Does it really matter? It, we do it as if something's going to happen. We're hoping the Christmas spirit happens. And what this is saying is Jesus really came. God in the flesh came. And so with just as much conviction that we set up our holiday season, hoping something happens, hoping that it changes how we feel, hoping that as we get the house smell like gingerbread and, and pine and all that stuff, what the scripture is telling us is God really came in the flesh. So bring your life to him for real. To, to open up wide, to want a lot. To ask for a lot. To anticipate that God's going to do something. Like kids who can't sleep on Christmas Eve. I mean, my boys, they already have the Target toy magazine out. The Toys R Us. Daddy, you see this? We don't do that with our lives. We don't look. And I'm not talking about just trying to get the new Cadillac or something. And you get some, something more fuel efficient. Ask for a hybrid. No, but just... But we ask, we need to say, Lord, this is where I am. This is where I'm suffering. I put out the stocking of my life. I open up. I'm trusting you, Lord, because you're real to make a real difference. Then we have stuff like the church and prayer and scripture and, and, and sacraments. You know what that's like? That's like the real stockings for God to put in real redemptive blessing for us. Understand, when you read the scriptures, when you hear the preach word, when you sing these songs, when you confess your sins, it's not like putting up the stockings you put up. Ain't nothing yet put in unless you buy it and put it in yourself. I remember my parents, Mama, Daddy, I want to buy you a Christmas gift. All right, here's some money to buy me a gift. That's what Christmas is really about. We pay for the moment. 
But what the scripture is telling us, Jesus has come to pay for the moment and make the thing real in our lives. You know, these things, again, church and prayer and scripture and sacraments, they're the real stockings and Jesus brings and puts real stuff in them. I'm here to tell you. Do these things. People really get something. People really change. All sorts of relationships really change. As cynical as I can be, I really change. Real stuff, real elements, real... The way we walk, the way we live, the way we spend our money, the way we, what we do with our time, it really changes because Jesus really changes people. Broken relationships really are comforted. Circumstantial problems really are fixed. Folk getting bills paid and, and, and still got heat on and losing jobs and still eating. Stuff really changes and fixed. Bitterness really goes away. Anger really gets consoled. Disappointments really are met with hope. People up in here really and truly have Jesus visit them. And for some of us who are Jesus people or so-called Christians, it's about time we get reminded about that and really live like that. When's the last time we really opened our Bible expecting God to speak to us? When's the last time we really came to church thinking maybe today God's going to touch me? Maybe I can bring something broken in me. When's the last time we really confessed our sins or really said, hey, look, I need you, man. I need help. Coming up here, dude, we got, we got folk up here praying. We don't really come because we really don't think anything's gonna happen. John said the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And now, what we do is no longer nothing. Now Christmas is an opportunity for us to witness as John did. Not having to take the load of trying to be good or powerful enough to be Jesus and Santa to everyone. But touched by the true Jesus enough to testify and offer him powerfully to other people. Gifts mean something now. Because Jesus makes what we do in the light of him like he did John here matter. You have this Santa who himself, in real life, was a witness. That creed that you have in your bulletin, the Nicene Creed, St. Nicholas was there at the Council of Nicaea and helped write it. Santa Claus was into creeds? That creed That declaration of Orthodox Christianity of Jesus Christ may be the most real thing Santa Claus ever did. But look how it lives. It means something. Because God uses things to manifest, to bring Jesus powerfully into our life. And this happens and Jesus comes to his people not because they have been nice. And I close with this. Look with me at verse 12 again. Yet to all who received him, to those who believe his name, remember this is 
the couple of scriptures before said people didn't receive him. To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the father. Hear this full of grace and truth. Not only full of truth, he really walked and lived by grace. God does not let us live the lie of being able to be good enough or have our stockings in a row well enough or enough cookies on the table to be worthy of his visiting you. No, he's not like us. That we would be the ones who would deserve coal. We have been naughty and not nice. So not only does Jesus promise to visit our world, he promises to visit it with grace. Which means this. He comes and brings all our hearts could ever need and can't earn or get enough of themselves. He not only brings a gift of powerful change and love and purpose and healing, he himself gives us the heart. Jesus gives us the stockings, if you will, to get and keep what we have not earned. Jesus is what we really must have sent to be. Not checking the list and bringing the coal, but checking the list and giving us grace. Favor and stuff we need that he alone has deserved and gives us. Unless Jesus delivers it and makes it happen, what is real can never be true to us. So stop performing. Stop thinking that you are good enough or too bad enough for a visit from Jesus or help from Jesus or having Jesus be your Lord. And like any kid on Christmas Eve, rest. Rest in his reality. Give it over for him to go to sleep. You can't do it for yourself. Rest in his reality, in his truth, to come to town, to come to your aid, to make you really his and keep you really his. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, full of truth and grace. And that's the truth, the real truth about Santa Claus. Let us pray.